Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is that time of the week. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1045 where we get between the... uh, Details of a lot of fine print that doesn't make it to the surface, but it's all the good stuff. And that is where Tom Korski comes in, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter, because you're the guy with the shovel. Good to have you. Thank you, Alex. Bunch of stuff. Uh, Canadian Embassy. So they saw some internal emails out of our embassy in Washington, which disclosed they were being or we were being watched by U.S. officials over our whole issue of vaccine mandates on truckers. And they were looking at, quote, inquiring from the White House just days before the convoy. So did they just want to see if this was all going to go down as badly as they thought or because they wanted to mirror it? What was the context of this? The implication is that the under lining is that this could go horribly awry and we can't wait to see but but our <laughs> takeaway is the Americans were just panting why does this matter there's no explanation for why they dropped the Emergencies Act to end the political protest, the Freedom Convoy. The cabinet came up with a bunch of stories about alleged criminality, arson fires, uh, foreign Nazi insurrection. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm. No, we, we don't know, and we will find out beginning at a judicial inquiry on September 19th, exactly why cabinet did this. But this is a really plausible and rational explanation, because the Americans were panting. They were breathing down their neck and saying, what's going on with your trucker mandate? Oh, now what's happening? And this is emails we see that only predate the convoy by a few days. And it was already a hot subject. Was that because there was worry that they'd see kind of a January 6th reproduction or they just wanted to just... Well, because the implication was that the vaccine mandates for truckers didn't make yeah. any sense. Well, they, but they also had theirs on the other side, remember? And it just kind of evaporated. I don't really know. We were number one. Was. Yeah, no, cabinet brought theirs yeah. in a week early. And everyone said, what are you doing? These are drivers alone in the cab of a vehicle. And they play this essential role in uh, the commerce of the of the North American continent. Who said that? Well, cabinet did when they exempted truck drivers <laughs> from quarantine rules at the start of the pandemic. Uh, this yeah. thing was a mess, but but we're still looking for that mysterious reason as to why cabinet played the heavy on the freedom convoy. And this may be a clue. Just maybe. I think yeah. we all know why it happened, but nonetheless. Um, interesting. A couple of stories that you guys have dug up on this new Supreme Court of Canada nominee. This is Michelle O'Bonsawin, and um, she's the first Indigenous person that we'll be uh, taking to the top court. But he, I'll start with this one, because I'll, I'll get on David Lametti's ridiculous comments after. But um, she had to fill out a questionnaire to be considered for the appointment. So she did that back in 2019. But you guys at Blacklocks say that her comments were either taken out completely or rewritten before it was released by the uh, Trudeau government to go public. Very young lawyer uh, to be appointed a judge, and she got her first appointment five years ago to Ontario Superior Court. Today she's only 48. Now that's pretty young by, Still young. by the standard of appointees to the Supreme Court, which means yeah. she will be a Supreme Court uh, justice longer than she practiced law. That 
doesn't happen every day. She got this Ontario Superior Court appointment back in 2017 from the same cabinet. And she filled out this Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm trying to do the math. So she she was a lawyer for like 14 seconds before she went to the... And and you know what? And the implication is she didn't see the insides of too many courtrooms. She was like a counsel at the Canada Post. Anyway... Mm -hmm. She she got this appointment and she fills out this questionnaire way back in 2016. It was absolutely fascinating. All of this was scrubbed out of her most recent candidate questionnaire. And in it, she talks about her family suffered discrimination and mm-hmm. that she encountered people who were very insensitive to our cultural heritage as an Abenaki woman and that she was qualified to be a judge because she was a mom, so she understands family law. I don't want to be unfair to this person. She did not come off like a bore Alaskan. You do, you were not overwhelmed by the depth of uh, judicial knowledge in her questionnaire, but the elements of discrimination were entirely eliminated in her Supreme Court candidate's questionnaire. Yeah. Uh, look, she may very well be incredibly qualified, but to your point, it is very rare um, that you would be that young. Uh, but then again, uh, most people who go have decades of experience, but... Uh, We'll see where this takes us. But meanwhile, you got David Lametti out there, um, you know, boasting about the appointment and going on and then calling, you know, the Supreme Court. It's a colonial institution. You know, he says, quote, it's extremely important that indigenous people be able to see themselves in what are, quite frankly, colonial institutions and see their participation as a way of making those institutions better. Frankly, um, I'm really tired of this, you know, it, we hear this all the time now. Like, it's just everything's colonialized in, in this country we're supposed to call Canada. I can't even call it Canada. A country we call, are supposed to call Canada. I, I don't know what Lametti's referring to. No one did. And he's given variations of that. Those were the rawest comments he's ever made. Uh, but he's given variations of that theme for uh, about the last 10 months. What, what, I don't even know what that means. It's a colonial institution. But then you say, you know, doggone it, Dave, if only the attorney general was a colonial institution, we could have a, an indigenous attorney general. Oh, wait, we had one of those. Yeah. Oh, and what happened to her? That's right. She was fired for not rewriting the criminal code to give a sweetheart out-of-court settlement to a certain Quebec engineering company from uh, Attorney General Lametti's home province that was charged with conspiracy to defraud the Canadian taxpayers. Oh, now it's coming back to me, Dave. Yeah, he's a real character, Attorney General Lametti. He's the chief colonialist. I mean, honestly, like when you you lay out kind of the obvious, it's like, well, you know, yeah, you, you hate it. You hate all these systems that we have here. And then, you know, you had someone within your midst who was a game changer and then look how, how you treated her. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. When it's we performative, Alex. The main thing is the I know it's, sticker. it's performative. Yeah. It is all performative, but it's also nonsense. I mean, you just need to look at the the, the Laith Maroof situation where you got the CRT saying, saying, well, his comments were heartfelt and all these institutions that are telling us and the government telling us to stamp out the colonialism and the racism. But I'm like, anyway, can we talk about the um, tourists? So I think this is uh, important because you're t- reporting on a third of Canadian tourism operating operators now looking to sell their businesses or closing for good. And they suffered. This is an industry that suffered the worst losses and each operator's lost about $120,000 throughout this pandemic. But 
This is the one sector, Tom, that has been kind of played with the most because they were in lockdown over and over and over again. Now we've got the Arrive Can that is stopping people from coming into the border towns. I mean, it's such a mess. And a lot of them are giving up. But it's really sad because you never get these people back. And some of these people have been around in their operations for decades. And we see these here Department of Industry figures, which is why we cite them, because that's what Cabinet looks at. And the figures say, look, these are mom-and-pop operations. That's just the fact. Even franchisees who own uh, hotels that seem to have brand names you may have heard of on radio advertising, those are all mom-and-pop operations. And they were just got creamed in this pandemic, now going into third year. And their average losses were over 120000 Their net revenues were uh, in in the red. And despite whatever aid they received, there you say, uh, a third of them, worst record of any small business operators, uh, one third saying, I'm, we're out. That's it. Five years, we're, we're, we sell it, we give it to the kids, or we're just shutting it down. That enough is enough. The, the the bigger picture on this, though, is a lot of these touristy things and, and, and companies that are going out, a lot of them are like the fabric of what makes us unique. It's why people come to Canada. It could be maybe the maple syrup uh, producer. It could be, you know, I don't know, I'm making it up, like some Santa village thingy, whatever. Something that is very unique to this country. And when they're gone, you can't reproduce those things. And that's, I think, a, a, we lose an identity of this country and, and what makes us kind of special when these places go. Oh, it's a, it's a huge part of GDP, yeah. but there's no question. Ask anyone. Ask someone from Germany or Israel or uh, the Philippines. Why do you want a holiday in Canada? I mean, they're not coming here for the Edmonton Film Festival. They want to <laughs> see the mountains. They want to see the lakes. Yeah. They, want to, they want to see the wine country. This is why we do this. We want to see the CN Tower. Why, yeah. That's what Canada is. Yeah, no question about it. All right. Thank you, sir. Always love talking to you, and uh, I'll look forward to the next trove of what you Thank dig you, up. Thank Alex. you, Thank you very much. Mr. Tom Korski, that is a managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. It is subscription-based, and they do, in fact, deliver. So we have Tom on if you're asking uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, 1045. I am Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto.